section twelve of the mysteries of london volume three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the mysteries of london volume three by george w m reynolds chapter twelve idlay and rosamond sir christopher blunt mr howard and frank curtis were soon seated in mr torrens comfortable parlour the walls of which were adorned with an infinite variety of architectural plans set in carved oaken frames a cheerful fire blazed in the grate wine was placed upon the table and the travellers were speedily as much at their ease as they could wish or as their host could render them the young ladies were in another apartment mr torrens having desired them to remain in the drawing-room while the commercial part of the projected matrimonial arrangement was being settled in the parlour when the usual complimentary phrases had been exchanged and sir christopher had observed that the weather was remarkably fine but very cold a proposition to which mr torrens entirely assented for somehow or another people never do contradict each other when commenting on that subject when also a glass or two of wine had been imbibed by each the knight inquired whether mr torrens happened to be acquainted with a captain sparks the answer was a negative sir christopher then began to relate the adventure of the evening and although he was constantly interrupted by his nephew who was anxious to interpolate in the narrative certain saving clauses respecting his own valour towards the highwayman the worthy knight nevertheless succeeded at length in bringing the tale to an end it is clear said mr torrens that you were first duped and then robbed by an infamous scoundrel but have you any notion how he could have learnt enough of the pending arrangements to be enabled to talk so familiarly with regard to them when he first introduced himself to you that puzzles me my dear sir returned sir christopher and it is likely to continue to puzzle you uncle observed frank for the whole business defies conjecture i remember when i was in france the villain evidently knew that you would leave town with a considerable sum of money in your possession said torrens and his aim was to get it he did get it too but not without a deuced good thrashing into the bargain cried frank and that's some consolation i dare say captain sparks as he calls himself would gladly be thrashed every hour in the day on the same terms observed the lawyer but i think that when our little business is concluded i should do well to return to london and give information at bow street as speedily as possible by no means exclaimed sir christopher we must keep the tale to ourselves if it got into the newspapers with all the particulars it would only make us look ridiculous we might punish the man but we should never get back the money no no let the matter drop for all our sakes thank heaven continued the knight assuming a slower and more pompous tone the loss is paltry very paltry in my estimation i shall not miss the amount i can assure you 
but you have no objection to my giving the scoundrel another good drubbing uncle the first time i meet him again inquired frank curtis with great apparent earnestness oh there can be no objection to that if the captain will allow you so to operate on him said the lawyer dryly allow me indeed i should like to know how he could prevent it exclaimed frank affecting deep indignation at the remark you should have seen the struggle we had very likely but i noticed your greatcoat when we came in just now and it was not soiled said howard of course not i had him down all the time then it was a great pity you did not keep him there come come enough of this fencing cried sir christopher produce the deeds mr howard my friend torrens will take my check for the two thousand oh certainly replied the venal father and to-morrow let us hope that i shall have to give you another for three thousand more added sir christopher thank heaven my check is as good as a bank-note but it wasn't twenty years ago though times have altered since then and yet as my friend howard knows i am proud of my humble origin yes yes uncle exclaimed frank we all know that perfectly but let's to business and then join the young ladies i shall make them laugh with the story of the highwaymen it's the first time in my life i was ever conquered ever overcome and now it hasn't been by fair means i remember once when i was at montreuil three french peasants had some of their nonsense with me but i just here are the documents gentlemen said mr howard frank shall conclude his story presently the agreements for the loan of the five thousand pounds were then read over mr torrens signed them sir christopher blunt wrote him a cheque for two thousand on account the remaining three to be advanced only on condition that the proposed marriage took place and thus terminated the commercial part of the business the four gentlemen then proceeded to the drawing-room where the two young ladies were seated adelaide was excessively pale and when the odious mr frank curtis tripped smirkingly up to her and taking her fair hand pressed it to his lips his breath heated with wine and rendered offensive by the fumes of the cigar steaming upon that delicate skin the maiden recoiled as if from something loathsome her father who observed her narrowly cast upon her a rapid but ireful glance and adelaide exerted herself strenuously to recover her composure like a victim about to be sacrificed at the altar of some avenging god she suffered her admirer to lead her to a seat in a remote part of the room and placing himself by her side frank curtis darted a triumphant look at howard and sir christopher as much as to say just see how successfully i am going to play the amiable in this quarter then turning towards the lovely adelaide whose large blue eyes were bent timidly down and whose bosom palpitated with a variety of painful emotions he observed in what he considered to be a most endearing whisper come my sweet gals cheer up there's nothing to be frightened at in marriage i know that i'm not quite a lady's man but we shall get on better together by and by you see my dear i've always been used to manly sports or to seeking adventures where some glory was to be gained such as knocking down watchmen or fighting with highwaymen or killing my man in a duel and things of that kind but i've no doubt it will be pleasant enough to be tied to your apron-string if the string itself is isn't too tight 
adelais raised her fine blue eyes turned them for a moment upon her admirer and then again fixed them on the carpet a profound sigh escaping her bosom at the same time but that glance so involuntarily thrown towards her companion was one of sudden curiosity as if she were anxious to discover by the expression of his face whether he were indeed serious in the insufferable rhodomontade with which he sought to captivate her there that's right my dear gal said curtis mistaking the motive of that rapid look which was directed towards him don't stand on any ceremony with me in a few hours more we shall be husband and wife adelais shuddered visibly ah i like this little modesty it's all very proper on your part continued the disgusting young man but it will soon wear off naturally so the young lady now started indignantly her countenance became crimson and then large tears burst from her eyes curtis caught hold of her hand but she withdrew it she literally snatched it away as if from the jaws of a hideous reptile you needn't think i'm going to eat you miss said frank in a surly tone but i forgot to tell you what an adventure i had just now with a couple of highwaymen he continued in a milder voice you see as me and my uncle and howard were coming down the lane i fell back a little just to think of you my dear at leisure when all of a sudden three chaps jumped over a bank and pointed their blunderbusses at me i didn't care a rap for that but taking the riding-whip by the thin end i knocked down three of them one after the other with the handle part you know and had just made up my mind to tackle the fourth when my horse reared and threw me for a moment i was insensible and during that time the fifth scoundrel picked my pocket of the two thousand pounds which i may call the purchase money of your own dear pretty little self sir exclaimed adelais aloud is it your intention to insult me and without waiting for a reply but yielding to the tide of anguish and indignation which now impelled her she rushed from the room rosamond who while engaged in conversation with her father sir christopher and mr howard at the other end of the room had never ceased to watch her sister with the most lively interest now immediately followed the almost heart-broken girl the moment the sisters had reached their bedchamber adelais threw herself into rosamond's arms exclaiming i will never marry him i will die sooner has he offended you inquired rosamond affectionately embracing her disconsolate sister but i need not ask your changing countenance your anxious looks your convulsive movements and then your tears while he sat by you oh my very soul revolts against him cried adelais emphatically the conflicts of agonizing emotions painfully expressed on her countenance at first when he approached me it required all the exertions of which my fortitude was capable to subdue the feelings of aversion and disgust of bitter woe and heartfelt misery with which i was agitated but when his coarse language met my ears oh rosamond exclaimed the distracted maiden i must fly i must avoid this dreadful fate or my heart will break 
at this moment mr torrens slowly opened the door and entered the room his countenance wore an expression which gave evidence that anger and compunction were maintaining a fierce struggle in his breast but the former feeling was rapidly obtaining the ascendancy rash disobedient girl he exclaimed fixing his stern cold eyes upon adelaide who still clung to her younger sister what signifies this folly spare me spare me my dearest father cried adelais suddenly tearing herself from rosamond's embrace and falling on her knees before her sire i cannot marry that horrible man mr torrens bit his lip almost till the blood came listen to me my dear father continued the despairing girl joining her hands together while her cheeks were of marble whiteness unanimated by a tinge of vital colouring i am your daughter and must obey you but if you persist in saying receive that man as your husband it is the same as if you were to utter the word die oh no you cannot you will not sacrifice me in this cruel cruel manner what have i done to offend you that my unhappiness has become your aim dearest father relent i implore you on my knees i beseech you to save me ere it be too late adelais exclaimed mr torrens arming himself with that fatal sophistry which led him to believe that he was the only judge of what was fitting for his daughter's welfare and happiness adelais rise i command you the miserable girl obeyed but staggered with vacillating and irregular steps towards a chair in which she sank the agony of her soul now expelling all power of reflection from its seat i have gone too far to retreat even if i were so disposed continued mr torrens your happiness will be insured by this union her happiness father said rosamond reproachfully oh no never never undutiful girl cried the venal parent do you league with your sister against me i tell you that adelais is about to become the wife of a young man who can give her an enviable position in society and who at his uncle's death will inherit an immense fortune it is true that mr curtis is somewhat rough in manner and incautious with his tongue but perfection exists not in this world to be brief this marriage shall take place it must i dare not retract father one word more exclaimed adelais suddenly recovering her power of thought and speech those powers which anguish had for a few minutes completely subdued you are about to sell your daughter to that man he boasted to me that a few thousand pounds were the purchase money and hence my abrupt departure from the room the phrase was wrong ill-chosen coarse ejaculated mr torrens evidently smarting under this announcement but we must not judge of words themselves we must only look to the motives of him who utters them mr curtis is incapable of insulting you oh you know not how abhorrent is the coarseness of his language cried adelais bursting into a torrent of tears you provoke me beyond the limits of human patience ejaculated mr torrens stamping his foot with rage but no more of this you know my will prepare to obey it i ask you not to return to the drawing-room to-night to-morrow morning let me hope that you will show yourself a dutiful daughter towards a father who is anxious only to ensure your prosperity 
mr torrens then imprinted a cold kiss upon the fair foreheads of adelais and rosamond and hastily quitted the apartment for some minutes after the door had closed behind them the sisters sat gazing upon each other in the silence of painful and awful reflection yet beautiful were they in their sorrow for the unstudied attitudes and abandonment of limb which such a state of mind produces gave additional grace to the just proportions of their forms and imparted an expression of the most tender interest to the perfect composition of their features sister at length said rosamond in a soft and mournful tone as she approached adelaide what will you do this question suddenly aroused the unhappy young lady to a sense of the urgent necessity of adopting some decisive measure winding her arms around rosamond's neck she said i must fly from my father's house i must abandon the paternal dwelling oh heaven wherefore am i reduced to so fearful an alternative speak not only of yourself beloved adelais murmured rosamond chidingly for you know that my fate as well as my heart is inseparably linked with thine oh i doubt not the sincerity of your love for me dearest sister exclaimed miss torrens but i tremble at the idea of making you the companion of my flight have we not read in books dear girl that london is a dreadful place abounding in perils of all kinds and concealing pitfalls beneath its most pleasant places oh rosamond you are so young so very young to quit your father's home and venture in that great city of danger and crime but with you as my companion adelais i shall have courage to meet all those perils of which you speak responded rosamond the tones of her voice becoming so gentle so melting and so persuasive that never did she seem so dear so very dear unto her sister as at this moment and now all hesitation was banished on the part of adelais it was settled it was determined rosamond should become the companion of her flight End of section 12.